head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 291 of the Severe MMA podcast. And this episode even is presented by Manscaped. And if you're looking for an ultimate stocking filler for the holiday season, look no further than our sponsors, Manscaped. They have the tools uh, to make you win this year's stocking stuff for a white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, Australia, UK and Ireland, everywhere like that. So uh, myself and Graham have got our products. I have mine here. I was uh, <laughs> I, I was using your true balls and all yesterday, cutting off my face. So uh, the, the Manscaped products are really, really good. I actually have the one for the... Um, for the ears and the nose coming during the week, Graham. So that could be good. I'm getting old now. I need that as well. So they've been really brilliant for us so far. I was talking to my friends, Moz and JJ today, and they said they were using them and they were brilliant as well. Is so. it coming to me as well or is it just coming to you? This is, this is outrageous. <laughs> I can't believe this. I think I'm Absolutely. getting too. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous behaviour going on here. Ah, when I'm oh, I'll, be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be driving down to, to Limerick. <laughs> no, you have to stay in your county ground. You're not allowed. When we can see each other in like two, 2022, I'll give you your. It's just worth breaking the restrictions. This is a, an, an atrocity. A travesty. Uh, but anyway, a few of their products that are uh, prime stock and fillers this season are the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself. It's really good. I use that like every time I have a shower now. It's brilliant. The Crop Reviver uh, Ball Toner. It's a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven. So like if you're two hours after it or you're lashing on. Uh, it has aloe vera and hazel extract. Uh, the Crop Cleanser Body Wash. A full body wash that you can also use on your hair. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes. You never know when an opportunity strikes. So you should always be prepared. The Foot dust, Duster Foot Deodorant. Uh, I think Patrick had that one as well and was using it and was saying it was really good. So it's designed for the stankiest smelling fresh feet. Now, there you go. Uh, the Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail set. The Weed Whacker, which we were mentioning, the nose and hair trimmer, which provides uh, proprietary... I, I'm lucky I was able to read that word there. Uh, skin-safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. Uh, and let's not forget about the best trimmer for your butt, balls and body, the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which uh, is a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce uh, grooming incidents. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know the products are legit. So, 20% off... Free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code SEVEREMMA. Where is this for your partner, dad, brother, friend? Get them something that they will actually use. And that's almost sure to get them a bit of a laugh as well, you know. So I uh, called, uh, uh, or, or called, go to manscaped.com, <laughs> promo code SEVEREMMA. Get 20% off uh, and free shipping. Be the ballsiest gift you gift you'll get this year and that one like for your father that the we the uh the nose trimmer is the one the weed whacker is really the one isn't it makes so much sense like so um, I mean, uh, uh, yeah i think i think i figured it out i think they probably like you know they know my my uh impeccable grooming and they take a one look at you and they think this guy needs some extra products so needs, get them there asap <laughs> we, we, we need a shipment out the door asap <laughs> two years at the same time absolutely two years at the same time uh so yeah visit manscape promo cuts for also this week the podcast uh is Sponsored by Joe and Seth. So if you go to joeandseph.com, J-O-E-A-N-D-S-E-P-H-S-R.co.uk, even .ie as well, or if you go to severemay.com forward slash popcorn, it'll take you there. So these, uh, this company is a popcorn company in, based in the UK, and it's like run by you know by the people themselves, a, a small company that's after getting really, really big, and they have unbelievable popcorn. So... Uh, the popcorn advent calendars, obviously, with Christmas coming off. The beer and whiskey flavors for the lads. The salted caramel and lots of sweet ones for the girlfriends as well. It's an absolutely brilliant stock and filler. Nor boy Sean Dinny uh, said that he had them before, and he's a big, big fan of them. And mine are on the way, so I let you know what they're like next week. But you do the same. Get on there. Go to severemed.com forward slash popcorn. Use the promo code Sean Ten. So S E I N one zero. 
and you can get 10% off. So if you weigh 50 quid's worth of popcorn, you get a fiver off. So that's a, a pretty good deal. And it's good to support companies as well, like that are that are doing well uh, around the around the UK and Ireland. So uh Joansefs.co.uk, Joansefs.ie, severemeta.com forward slash popcorn. Use the promo code Sean10 S E A N 10 to get 10% off. Right, Graham. This is a huge week in the world of MMA coming up. We'll talk about um last night's fights in uh, in a while at the end of the podcast here but there's so much coming up this week now i think first of all what we'll mention is uh we'll mention a couple of fights first and then we'll mention cage warriors now we're not going to go into a huge breakdown of cage warriors because i am getting uh brad wharton from cage warriors on again and this will be up free for everyone be up on patreon early access so patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast and it'll be up for everyone else as well uh, so there's, Jesus, there's like 30, maybe not 30, but like 27 Cage Warriors fights, something like that. Lots of Irish guys as well, and we'll touch on one or two of them here uh, in a second. But the first thing I want to touch on, Graham, is um, uh, f- from the Irish point of view, I know it's going to be a big week for Irish MMA. There's a Can Wars as well coming up uh, this weekend, uh, and I'm sure that Andy Stevenson had an article about that, and I'm sure he'll have the results up as well. Uh, but Artem Labov returns, and... It was funny because we were talking about it yesterday. And I was like, is this the weekend Artem's supposed to fight? Because it's a funny one. Like, Chris Fields was supposed to fight this weekend, I think. And Ryan Curtis as well. But those fights are off. Chris Fields was on Twitter the other day and goes, they, they were doing no testing, so I'm not going to do it. You know, and lots of Irish coming back next week as well. And it feels like because of that, those fights kind of got cancelled, the Artem fights kind of flown under the radar a little bit. And I know we're still a, a slow week away as we record this, but... This is a big fight for Artem coming back. It's been a while since he fought in MMA, obviously over in BKB. And we talked about it when it was announced uh, at the start, about it being maybe an unusual sort of um, of matchup for him with not, uh, a name that isn't really known that much and in a, um, uh, a fight league that isn't known that much. But I was looking up his opponent, and we'll get into him in a, in a second because he looks really, really good, but... Are you? Uh, are you? I, I'm excited to see Arton back. You know, after watching the opponent and and you know watching a couple of old Arton fights. Actually, a couple popped up on Facebook the other day of his tough fights. But it's good to see Arton back in MMA. I was I was always a, t- a fan. I know Arton. Like some people are always on about this goat, and you know, but Arton's always a bit of fun. He's always a bit of entertainment, isn't he? Yeah, he's always in good good fights. He's in a lot of close fights, and mm-hmm. this one probably could be another one. Looking at the guy's record, is a few close decisions, split decisions in there and stuff as well. I obviously. Uh, I haven't haven't studied this guy like haven't looked into him as much as you have. But uh, after two years out of the cage, coming coming back, he you know he probably could have picked an easier matchup. But that's not really Artem's way. He always kind of you know he'll take whoever they want to give him, and that's always been his way, and probably continue to always be his way. Yeah, so he's fighting Wild Wild Jeroen. He's only lost two times in six years. So I'm sure you're looking at his record. That's that is a good record, isn't it? I know he's like what's he? He's Four, oh god, he, he, I think he lost six fights, but four of them were like in his first six or seven fights, and he won like 10 or 11 in a row or something like that uh, after that. So his record is really, really good. He's been in there with some good guys as well. But the thing about him as well, he is, I watched a few of his fights, he's like a Conor McGregor clone, right? <laughs> so he's a southpaw who is aggressive and counter strikes. A little bit of a slower pace, maybe than McGregor, and a slower pace than than Artem as well. Uh, but it's I think it's an interesting fight for Artem because you know he's very used to that sort of style, obviously fighting uh, against Conor McGregor uh, and things like that. Like, do you think that could play into if his advantage? And do you think maybe even as well? I mean, we know Artem's like a, a stand-up fighter at, at his at his core, uh, and when he's at his best, I suppose as we saw him on tough. Do you think that'll kind of play into his advantage as well? And the BKB maybe concentrate more on the boxing? Do you think that'll play into his advantage as well and, and be a good thing for Artem when he comes back to MMA? Well, I think at the start of Artem's career, really, really before the, uh, the Ultimate Fighter and the UFC, he was kind of just a stand-up guy. And he kind of, during that kind of run, he kind of started to implement a bit more jiu-jitsu and uh, wrestling kind of side of things. Um but if, when it comes down to it, he wants he wants to be on the feet. He wants to strike, and it looks like this guy will will be up for that as well. So as you said, he's been in uh, he's spent a lot of cage time with with a southpaw similar similar style to to this guy. So he definitely um you know a lot of guys don't have southpaw experience. Most guys are orthodox. You know they train for orthodox guys. Their whole camps and. When they come up against a southpaw, sometimes they can throw them off. But obviously, with Artem, that won't be happening here. And 
maybe the maybe his opponent uh, won't have. I don't know how you say his name. I'm probably butchered. Y- Yiles Jeroen, I think. Jeroen, mm-hmm. yeah, Jeroen. Like he, he probably usually he probably usually has a bit of an advantage of being a southpaw with the guys not being as used to to facing southpaws, but he won't have that kind of factor in this. It's really hard to call this fight, like when you don't really know much about much about uh, Jeroen. Uh, at all, uh, I hadn't even heard of him until uh, Artem was announced to fight him. So, uh, you know, looking at couple of couple of his uh, couple of his losses there recently were split decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so this could be another and his most recent two wins are unanimous decisions. So maybe this could be a decision, and with a, you know, with an Artem fight, it could go either way and. Having said all that, though, I know nothing about his opponent. <laughs> very, very educated coming into this ground. But yeah, I, like, I think it'll be a good fight. And uh, as I said, we said we just mentioned anyway, and hopefully we'll be able to, to watch the fight and uh, and talk about it more uh, next week anyway. Right, so next week as well, we have the Trilogy Strikes Back with Cage Warriors. And I mentioned we're going to break down the card uh, in full uh, over on yeah, here, <laughs> severemed.com and, and all our uh, iTunes, Spotify and all that places with Brad Warren. I'll probably be out Tuesday evening, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier, but um, keep an eye out for it there. But a quick mention of, of some of the big fights here. I'll go through it kind of card by card. I suppose the uh, Thursday night, which was is Cage Warriors one one seven, um, the standout fight in that is obviously Luke Shanks versus Jake Hadley. They both won uh, on the last trilogy in the same card, and Jake Hadley looked absolutely fantastic um, in in like a quick dominant way. Where Shanks looked fantastic in like a five round dominant way, so it's a very interesting fight. We'll break down that more in it, but love that fight a lot. Sam Creasy, Adam Singer. You know, anyone around the, the UK area is definitely going to be looking forward to that fight. Mehdi Bin Lakhtar comes back in here. He fought Joe McCulgan. I believe, I, I think it was his last fight, if I'm not mistaken. One of the fights of the year. I don't know what year it was. Was it probably last year? They said, I just said probably it was, but a brilliant fight anyway. Uh, Aiden Steven comes back. He fought Paul Hughes in his last fight. And is a really, really good fighter. Doesn't, maybe Paul Hughes look, made him look a bit bad, but Paul Hughes is very, very good as well. Uh, and Mikel Figlak. Uh, is back here as well. That Wesley Maya, Mikel Montenegri fight as well. Maya, he fought in the last trilogy, if I'm not mistaken, and looked really, really good uh, as well. So that's a, a good card in the first night, especially in the main event. And Darren O'Gorm is on that card as well, Graham. I know you've seen Darren since kind of his uh, his amateur days and all coming out of Cork. He's he's a good fighter as well. Maybe his his record doesn't show it because he's fought some really good guys and some you know uh, he's fought um, Franz and a couple of other people as well. So Darren's a good fighter and it's a good good opportunity for him on this cage race card, isn't it? Yeah, D- Darren is a good fighter. He's he's like you know obviously he's lost his last two fights, but uh, he's kind of been up and down his whole career. You know he's even he, even you know he at the amateur scene he had an unexpected loss to Key Cody. Uh, mm. After after he'd beaten Key Cody, it was a rematch, and obviously uh, he 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 went three and zero, and then fought Franz Malambo, and everybody knows about Franz's uh, striking, and he obviously got knocked out there in the first round at Bama, and he, you know he's he's fought some tough guys, but I know Driscoll in there as well, uh, Brian Buland, he definitely he's definitely not afraid of fighting whoever they put in front of him, and you know th- th- this opponent. Uh, uh, LeBlanc, uh, you know, he's kind of in a similar situation where he's he's, he's been a bit up and down in the start of his career. So it's it's a huge it's a huge fight for both of them. Like the, moving to six and three and seven and five. If if LeBlanc wins seven and five as opposed to five and four and six and six, it's kind of mm-hmm. you know if you if you want to start making your making your your record uh, look good and try and get to a bigger promotion. Like the UFC, then these are these are very important moments in your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, so a big fight for him there, uh, and looking forward uh, to seeing that. So the K Drawers one one eight card, then the second of the three cards is on on Friday night, and that is the middleweight title in the main event it was cancelled on the last trilogy, uh, and that's going to be uh, Jamie Richardson versus Antias Frederick. Obviously, a lot of people around here. I would know Frederick from his two fights with um, James Webb, Ireland's own James Webb, one win and one draw there. Whereas, um, Richardson has won his last four in a row, so that's a really, really good fight. Like, I think Frederick is the type of guy who, if he wins this, he might be on his way to the UFC because of just the way he fights and kind of the, the insane athleticism he has. So, could be a big fight for him there, uh, and we'll break down more there. Matt Inman comes back. 
uh, here in, I, I don't know if it's a co-main event, but it's a, that's the way it is on Topology anyway. Uh, first fight in three years, a great article by Harry Williams up on SevereMan.com, so you can read more about that there. Uh, Mick Stanton, Manners, Flaminas, good fight as well. Uh, Josh Reed, Liam Griffiths, Kingsley Crawford is on this card. Tom Mean, Steve Amiable, you know, Steve Amiable, loads, loads of people love him, but the, the standout fight for me on this card is uh, Decky McAleenan versus Adam Vintra, like... Everyone, obviously, the Irish scene, everyone listening to this podcast probably knows Decky and what he's done over the last few years. And uh, Adam Vintra as well, obviously, Paddy Pimblett's teammate over there in, uh, in Liverpool. Everybody probably knows, everybody listening to this probably knows him too, from yeah. that Dylan Tuke fight. It was such a kind of <laughs> yeah. big thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And after he gave us a bit of abuse after, which we probably deserved a little bit <laughs> in fairness as well. But that, to me, is, that, that to me is one well, of those... What a fucking mushroom. <laughs> Jesus, the boys in Liverpool love giving me abuse. Like I've never done anything to Liverpool. Like oh, Liverpool people should love me, but I don't know. I, I don't know. They guess they have something against me, but uh, I'm only joking. You, you, you scored that. You scored that Paddy Pimblett fight for Julian Arosa, even though I did as well. You're a disgrace. Yeah, and he said I scored it four one, even though I didn't, and you did. <laughs> Still, oh, what did he say? Is he was he smoking something? <laughs> Wasn't that it? Oh God, I love it. Do you think he'd agree now? Do you think he'd agree now, or do you think he'd still? Do you think it was in the in the heat of the moment? Uh, do you think he looked back on it? Would would think he lost that fight, or do you think he looks back on it and still thinks he he won it? I think that's a big question about Paddy Pimblett himself. Maybe you know, if, if he looks back and thinks, oh, you know, I wasn't quite good enough there, and I need to improve. <laughs> you know, he probably does think he lost it, but it won't look. Look, I've I've looked back at it again and talked to 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 Ben Cartledge about it, about the scoring and stuff of it. And it was one, of, it was it was a fight like months before or weeks before the criteria changed. And it's one of those fights where before the criteria, Paddy Pimbler probably did deserve to win it, but after the criteria, Julian Arosa probably did, did deserve to win it. So for for Paddy Pimbler, it was probably lucky that uh, he got the fight when he did. But uh, yeah, that's so. Look, that's, so you were wrong. So we were, we were both wrong. I think we were, you think we were wrong at the time, but we were right in hindsight. You know, we were we were before our no, time. But if we were wrong at the time, we were, we were fully wrong. Yeah, one hundred percent incorrect. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go that. I wouldn't go that far. We'll see that. <laughs> I, I, I would. don't know. Yeah, I probably would as well. But anyway, this Vintra McAleena fight, they, like it feels like one of these fights where it's not for a title, and it's like. Both lads are very good fighters, but they're not on a big run or not towards maybe a title. Maybe they will be in a, with, a, with a win or two, but it just seems like this fight that is perfect because it's a guy who's kind of known around here. It's a guy who's known over in England and they're meeting and they're fighting. And it's going to be fun because we know Decky on the ground, especially if he gets taken down and stuff, he's a good guard and he's long and he throws his big shots and Vintra has absolute power in his hands. If anyone has listened to his fights and uh, or watched yeah, listen to him, I suppose, on YouTube with Molly McCann... Um, uh, commentating, they're brilliant. She's just shouting into the microphone. They're fantastic. But are you as hyped for this fight as I am? I know a lot of people around here are, are hyped for you. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think um, looking at the card is definitely the the fight I'm looking forward to most on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, nearly purely because of that Adam Venture kind of Adam Venture. Uh, Ventry, um, uh, uh, fight with Dylan Tuke and all the kind of stuff around it. Just kind of, you know, uh, maybe there's an kind of Irish versus English thing going on as well, uh, subconsciously or something. But I think you know, a lot of these fights against Irish guys versus English guys, people get a bit more up for them. Like I think that's, you know, one of the arguments for you know not putting Irish guys against Irish guys on local shows or. Or regional shows as well, like just because the crowd is more into the hype is more is bigger. Like people aren't really sure what side they're on. If if like an English guy's fighting an English guy or an Irish guy's fighting an Irish guy, but when you have that kind of Irish versus English thing, it does it does add to it. And with the history of the kind of bitterness between the between um, Tuke and and Adam Venture, people remember that. You know, people people in Irish there isn't that much going on in Irish that was like a few years ago now but there ha- not much has happened since then because of all the the uh, you know uh, new regulations and obviously COVID the coronavirus too, and all yeah. that stuff so yeah so it, maybe it, in people's minds it seems fresher than it actually is mm-hmm. yeah 100% yeah so I'll be, that'll be very good it was unfortunate obviously it was cancelled the last time as well so hopefully uh, hopefully it won't be this time. Uh, and then the Saturday hopefully night card. controversial anyway, so uh, we can have some, some banter <laughs> indeed, afterwards. Indeed. <laughs> so the Saturday night card, before we get into it, we will be doing a live Zoom on Patreon for the main card here. So I believe it's 7.30 
So if you're signed up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast, myself and Graham and I'm sure Andy and all the lads will will be in there and Jake and Ian will be watching the card live together. So we're going to do a live watch along. We might bring in like a couple of fighters and stuff, but not, not as, it's not going to be like the last one where we're bringing guest after guest after guest. We're just going to kind of watch along the fights. Maybe myself and you and Graham will commentate on them a little bit and we'll have a chat with the lads if you're in the... If you're in the chat, you can unmute your microphone and have a little bit of a chat with us. So we're going to do it for around two hours or however long the card goes. Uh, and uh, so it's going to be a bit of fun. You know, a few people asked to bring back the Zoom. We said, fuck it, we'll do it. We'll do it. So it's coming up to Christmas. So uh, it's only open to people who are signed up on Patreon because otherwise you'd have 200 people in there and you'd have fucking pricks and you'd have, you know, you'd have all these lads. So only people that we know are legit, that we know are good crack uh, over in on patreon the last few have been absolutely brilliant and it's going to be good as well so send the kids you can, you can pay five five quid to cause havoc and uh, <laughs> ask dumb questions and ruin the zoom quiz <laughs> you can do that i suppose you can if you want but i will mute you so but uh yeah tune in there anyway uh we mentioned again at the end of the podcast if anyone forwarded past this so apologies um right this card is brilliant like this this might be one of the best cards cage wars have ever put on and it's a very irish centric so i suppose we're <laughs> we're uh biased a little bit towards some of the irish fighters in terms of being excited to see him fight so the main event uh for 145 pound title morgan sharia versus perry andre goodwin like i've i find it very hard unless it's cancelled to not see that being a banger like goodwin just comes out and draws big shots sharia is like He's just so quick, and he's like the, the ultimate fast twitch movement fighter, real power uh, in both of his hands and in his feet as well, lovely leg kicks and things, so really looking forward to seeing that, you know, good and light on his feet, right, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Co-main event with Kieran Lister versus Joe McCoggan, obviously everyone around here knows Joe's slick boxing, good submissions on the ground, still looking for that first knockout, you know, I remember talking to him about it in Cage Wars and goes, it's eventually going to come, obviously a very tough fight last time out against Mason Jones, who stepped up I think three or four levels before between fights there, uh, and Joe was on the, the tough end of that one, but comes in here against Kieran Lister, who reminds me a little bit of Joe McCoggan, you know, he's a, a really good boxer as well, nice jab, something which is unusual I suppose you know as uh, in in MMA at all. Never mind that like this level, which we're kind of still rising towards even the top of cage wires. So to me, that's that's a fight for me that I'm going to enjoy. I think like if I had to predict that one, I think it's probably going to be three rounds and a close decision, uh, but going to be really fun. Uh, after that, then 155 pound title Jack Grant versus Aggie Sedaria. I might talk more about that with Brad, but that's going to be a really good fight uh, as well. With Paul Hughes versus Jordan Vucinic. Paul Hughes six and all, Vucinic six and one. Um, this is a. <laughs> I'd love to actually sit down and do a podcast with Ian Dean about why he made this fight because these are two up and comers who are really, really good, and one of them's going to take a loss here. And you know, it's it's interesting matchmaking because this is Cage Warriors matchmaking, and we, we we'll circle back to Joe again in a second. But Graham, what do you think of this fight? Like Vucinic is a, a tough boxer; he can hit very hard, uh, good Muay Thai style. Whereas Paul Hughes, we know we've seen his style; he's really really quick out of the gate, boxing really good, wrestling and jiu jitsu as well. I think Vucinic might be a little bit open to being taken down by Hughes. Um, well, what, like I know you've seen Paul Hughes around for a long, long time as well. This is a big fight for him, isn't it? This is the first, you know, this group, Ian Gary's on this card as well, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's first of this kind of group, I think McCallum was a little bit before him, to kind of step up, you know, to go to the kind of the next level where they're now in maybe a contender fight, whereas the next fight might be a title fight. Big fight for Paul Hughes here, isn't it? Looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. This is this is a huge fight. This is, as you said, it's two contenders. It's uh, a fight you you maybe wouldn't expect to be made, as you mentioned. But you know, Ian Dean kind of you know, there's no easy fights in Cage Wars. He, uh, yeah, and this is definitely no easy fight for you. And uh, you know, uh, it's uh, as you said, Paul Hughes is is so well rounded that you know any any hole in uh, any hole in Vucinic. Are you saying? I think so. In, yeah, in, yeah in, in his game, I expect Paul Hughes to kind of you know take it there. If it's on the feet, if it's if it's if it's it's more likely to be on the ground probably. If it's on the ground, I think he'll take it there, and I think you know he, he kind of exploded onto the, the professional scene for his hands, and people were kind of expecting that the whole time. But he's shown, he's proved, he's proved in fight by fight that he can do it all. Uh, I think I think you know this is definitely the hardest fight of his career his career so far. But I think 
you know, I'm expecting to go in there and get a finish here. And I know that's not a, you know, he's, he, he, this is definitely, you know, he's been finishing everybody, but this is definitely a step up. And he did go to the third round last time, but I think, I think this is a, this is going to be a real statement fight for Pogues. Yeah, uh, I, I agree to be honest, because thinking about it, like, without before watching both of the guys back again, I was thinking like, you know, <laughs> it's very tough. This is a fight which, if Paul Hughes wins it, and obviously we're in the very Irish side of it here, so apologies to, to Vucic as well. Like, we, I, I think we've given him our phrase, he's a very, very good fighter. But if Paul Hughes wins this, he can look very good. And I think Paul Hughes is an intelligent guy. And I remember speaking to him before and asking him about, like, oh, are you more, you know, one of those stupid questions, are you more of a, a stand-up guy than a wrestler? And he's like, I can kind of do it all. And, I, you know, he came out in his next fight and he kind of did. He went in and took down his opponent and things like that. I think that'd be very smart here. I think Vucinic draw the big shot out of Vucinic because he's more than willing to throw it, and that's can be a good thing for Vucinic because if he lands it, you're going you know night night. But if he doesn't, you can slip underneath it, get a nice takedown, and he is susceptible to that. So if Hughes is is smart, I'm sure he is, and I'm uh, smart in terms of his game plan. I'm sure he will have a good game plan. Draw him in, take him down. And, and use maybe your advantage on the ground there. So, I'm, look, I'm really, really looking forward. That's a very simple, I suppose, breakdown of the fight. I think on the feet, Vucic, again, he throws really hard shots. And Paul Hughes will need to be elusive, I think. Need to be maybe a little bit faster than him. Go to the body uh, and, uh, you know, and, and kind of change things up. The more you kind of go to the body and then come over the top, maybe he'll be looking for it. And then, you know, the takedown might, uh, might come more there. So, really looking forward to that fight. Uh, just to track back on Joe for a second. This is a big fight for Joe McCoggan as well, isn't it, Graham? Because, like, I know he was away for a while and he came back and he had the good win down in, in Cork and kind of the, the short notice fight after his opponent fell out, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, no well, it was the, the Robbie Scott fight and he had the maybe been lacked our fight before that and then, obviously, the Mason Jones loss. It's it, This one is a big fight for Joe because you don't want to be taking two losses in a row, do you? And at this kind of stage of your career, when he fought for the title in the last uh, in the last fight... I know Joe's, you know, he's, I've said it 10 times in this podcast, but I feel something will click for Joe at some stage. And if if it's not now and he loses this fight, I think it's, it could be a little bit of a, a setback for him. So it's a big fight, isn't it? Do you, do you think Joe will uh, will have enough here in this one? Yeah, it is, it is a big fight. You know, obviously he's he's come in and fought kind of very experienced guys. Mm-hmm. He obviously fought an amateur for years, and um, but that doesn't really count in your pro record. Nobody nobody takes that into account. So you know, if he goes yeah. to six four and one, it's it's very different to seven three and one, uh, and it's obviously two two losses in a row for the first time in his career, mm-hmm. uh, and he's not he's he's not young. He's not a young. He's not a young man. You know, he's. He, yeah, you know, uh, people might think he, you know, he's he's in his twenties, but he's he's in his mid thirties, I believe. So, it it is kind of like you know he needs to make it happen now, mm-hmm. and he's going in there against an undefeated guy. Uh, Kieran Lister has had eight fights and he's never lost. He had a draw with Costi uh, of SBG. Yeah, he's a good fighter. Who's a really strong guy wrestler. Like you know, he's he's no mug. Like and you know, th- th- this is definitely another tough fight for Joe McCoggan, but he's he's well used to tough fights. Uh, you know he, he he's had some losses, but he's always kind of, you know, he's always uh he's always in the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously the the Mason Jones fight was uh you know was a bit of a you know low point in his in his career, and it's definitely puts more pressure on him to come back. You know he got destroyed basically in that fight, like you know mentally that's you have to overcome that as well. Like and he definitely doesn't have an easy task here, but. I don't know. This this is a this is a tough fight to call. Like this is this is a really difficult fight for for both guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Uh, it's just gonna be a really close decision, I reckon. Yeah, I, I do as well. I but like, I, I not to get Ben Cartledge mad at me or anything, but I feel like this could be a split decision. You know, it's one of those ones where it's gonna be very very close. But uh, yeah, I'm really really looking forward to. It. Um, other than that, then we've Yasin Balaj versus Dean Truman. You know, two guys who've been around for a long, long time. Uh, Kevin Mullen versus Kent Capone, in which uh, I broke the news on that one. And then looking at uh, Kevin Mullen's record, he's four zero. You know, fought kind of sporadically over the last few years, but some very good wins and look good doing it as well. Ken Capine, a really good uh, kickboxer and and um, and boxer as well. He's been in there with Melvin Manhoof and Fabian Edwards and Will Flory as well. So he's a really, really experienced guy. So that's a big test for Kevin Mullen. And another one of those ones three and Dean matches makes match makes that, and you're thinking, oh, that's a t- <laughs> you know that's a tough test for a guy in his fifth fight. Uh, but I, I'm sure if it, if it pays off, it'll be it'll be really really good. And then. Um, 
obviously we've eaten Gar- James Sheehan was supposed to be on that card against Josh Plant as well but I think it's a, a, a leg or a foot or a shin injury anyway he put it up on his uh, on his Instagram and Andy Stevenson put out pictures of it and stuff as well so very very unfortunate I was really looking forward to that fight Josh Plant you know everyone probably remember him from his Kiefer Crosby war uh, so that would have been a very good fight uh, but one of James Sheehan's ex-opponents in Ian Gary as well fills out the card here he's fighting Lawrence Tracy um I'll have been on the podcast during the week to speak maybe more about this uh, this fight and stuff. Um, I, I think, I, look, I think a few people said it when this match was made that it's very hard to get opponents for Ian Gary. You know, he's 4-0 in his career. And he, I'm, I'm sure Ian wants to fight lads who are 5-0, 6-0, 7-0, 8-0 and he wants to get towards the title. You know, that's always kind of been the guy he's been. And Lawrence Tracy, you know, watching a few of his fights... He's like a small squat guy who lands big hooks, but I don't think he's on the technical level or the physical level of uh, of Ian Gary as a fighter. To be honest, now anyone who has that sort of power and you know can has that sort of uh, knockout ability is a danger. But like I think Ian Gary will just be too too big for him. He'll have too much size. Be his jab will be too good. He'll be just too technical for him. As long as he doesn't, you know, put his chin up in the air and take a big left hook or right hook, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be. It should be a statement win here from him. And you know that welterweight title uh, is up for grabs now. With uh, with Mason Jones obviously going to the UFC, the one fifty five pound title is on the uh, on the line here uh, with Jack Grant and and uh, Sardari. So. A big fight for, for Ian Gary, you know, maybe not the opponent that a lot of people are expecting or that maybe he wanted, uh, but if he can win this fight and win it in, in, in uh, you know, in, in good uh, manner, it should be good for him. And I, I, like, I've always argued as well that guys young in their career shouldn't be fighting too tough of guys. Like, this guy is still 5-0, you know, or 5-4, and four, sorry, a good winning record, nothing wrong with it, nine fights, more than double the fights of Ian Gary, so... Still, still a good enough test. But uh, I know you've been impressed with, with Ian Gary. <laughs> like, do you, what do you think of his progression? Do you think, like, say if he wins this, maybe gets? Will he, do you think he's ready for a title shot, or do you think he needs a few more uh, after? And are you looking forward to this one as well? Um, yeah, I am looking forward to this one. I think he could. I think he could be ready for a title shot now, but I don't think it's necessary to you know to take the jump to mm-hmm. to skip the to skip the fights like the Lawrence Tracy. Okay, Lawrence Tracy, maybe you know. He's a no namer, and he's probably going to go in there and get and get smashed. But he, this will be his tenth fight. You know, this is only uh, this is only the fifth fight for uh, for uh, Ian Gary. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is kind of like you know, if you're building kind of record, this is how you do it. Like you know, uh, this you know, obviously, if you start getting to like seven, eight, nine, and oh, and you're still doing this, is a problem. But that's not going to be a problem with Ian Gary because if you hear him talk, like you. He's he he's not in a rush to to do everything, but he's he's definitely not taking the slow route. Like you know, yeah. he's he's not interested in padding his record against against bums. But you know, you, these these fights are necessary. Sanji and Good's dead for the future. Like you know, um, maybe maybe he'll go in there and dominate. But maybe there's a couple of things that will happen in the fight that he can take from that and work on. You know, he's still very early in his career. He's still a very young guy. You know, we see these guys. Uh, you know, Max Holloway, for example. I always use this example. Comes into mm-hmm. UFC, looks out of his depth. But then you know, fixes some things and you know, changes changes things up, and then all of a sudden he's fucking dominating, and he's a champion, and people are picking him to move up, and you know, if he was to fight the champion at the weight above to to win, like you know, so uh, these people need time to pro- to progress, and if if they go too quickly, it it can hinder them, like maybe not detrimentally, but sometimes detrimentally. Mm-hmm. So I think these fights are like you know. Obviously, people are you know kind of raring to see Ian Gary go in there against somebody more of a known quantity to see where he's actually at. But that's just because people are excited about him. But you know, if he goes in there, dominates, doesn't take any damage, doesn't get any any injuries, he can be back in there, you know, three months like like he has done between the George McManus fight and this one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think uh, this is this is a smart fight uh, for Ian Gary. Uh, at this stage of his career, yeah, hundred percent. And look, I'm looking forward. And it should be. I go in there and obviously dominate like this wherever the fight goes. Yeah, I do as well. It should be look. It should be a good showcase fight for him. Uh, and yeah, obviously we'll, we'll do more of a, a stellar breakdown on that with with Brad during the week. So, um, 
just quickly as well, a few things before we get into the, the big UFC 256 pay-per-view, and it's a really good card as well. I Bellator have a card next week. Um, not the best card in the world. Ali Malel McFarlane versus Juliana Velasquez, uh, who's 10-0. Um, McFarlane 11-0 is the, the headliner there, so that should be good. We have Magomed Magomedov against Matthias uh, Mateo. Uh, Linton Vassell is back here against Honey Marks. Gaicho um, Yamaguchi is on the card as well. Romero Cotton 4-0, he's an re- American wrestler. He's on this card. Um, and we have a few other ones as well. Hobson Gracie Jr. versus Billy Goff. We have an interesting fight. Uh, Fabio Aguiar, 17-1 versus Mike Gasper, 13-6. So there's some good records there in that. There's one FC card as well. Nicky Holskin is kickboxing on it, I think, as well. So an interesting one there. But um, before we get to UFC 256, one or two quick things, Graham. Any thoughts on Clarissa Shields coming over to MMA? It's, it's a very interesting one. She signed with PFL. Uh, as people probably know, she's a, a boxing more Olympic and world champion. Um, fighting at a higher weight. Maybe she'll fight at 155, maybe even come down to 145. Looks like Kayla Harrison is the one kind of um, who, she, who she's gunning for, but not yet. She's not going to go into the tournament. Um, we obviously in in women's MMA we've seen a good bit of this. We've seen Heather Hardy come over. We've seen um, Holly Holm as well, but maybe a different bit of a situation with Holly Holm. She's been training uh, under Jackson Wing for her whole career. So, uh, in I'm, look, I, I saw a few cl- uh, training clips of her training. Has she, been, has she been doing in MMA? Like you know, that's the real question. Like they always, mm-hmm. they always. Uh, or the, the her opponents will always know that she has the you know the striking realm is the danger zone and any boxer that comes in they're gonna look at you know take her down and see what her grappling's like and yeah like look what happened to Heather Hardy like as well like okay a couple of exciting fights but the ground game just wasn't there at all it's not something you can pick up really quickly so it all depends really how how much she's been if if at all has she been training MMA and for how long and with how much you know seriousness uh, it's not something you can just kind of dabble in and jump in the cage yeah i agree with that but the thing the thing about it is she, I, I think she's more than likely going to be fighting in the women's lightweight division now if there's a division you wanted to come into <laughs> to, to be a boxer and do well it's probably the women's lightweight division you know i think they'll be able to match make her pretty easily against people who haven't that much experience in MMA themselves, who might be like one, two, three, and all, um, who she might be able to do well against. Now, when the step up comes, maybe she'll have enough experience in. If you, like, see her today, she's throwing kicks and stuff. Okay, the kicks don't look great, but she, you could see, like, what a fucking athlete she is. Yeah, you could see the hands in her. Thing, like, uh, maybe she'll be able to pick up kicks, but it's, it's a ground game. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, but like, when will she actually need that? Like, will she be able to carry it long enough that when she needs it, she might have learned it? No, not everyone's able to pick it up. It could be five years down the line, she might be fighting Kale Harrison and she get fucking destroyed. You know, so I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but I think they will be able to... Ma- like, imagine Clarissa Shields coming in there and she gets to 10 and 0, fighting absolute bums. And well, they just can never find people like the, for her to beat. Like, they found some guy for off the street for CM Punk to beat in a gym fight, remember? Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> and they, but they didn't name him. They, they named the other guys, but they didn't name this guy. So, uh, they didn't name tag him on the screen. I, I was remember yeah, being like, who is this guy? It's, who a, is... it's a big difference between her and CM like, Punk. Like, so you people, but like, you know, yeah, and obviously, see, I'm, I'm taking the piss a I bit, know but, you, you know, yeah. They they can find people to you know match up nicely with her, but you know any skilled one hundred and forty five pound or one hundred and thirty five five pound woman could step up and absolutely destroy her. Like oh. yeah, look, anyone with any skill set at the moment, it's going to look. It's going to be someone with boxing. We we know boxing is a, a really important skill set for MMA, but on its own, it's obviously not going to be good enough. So look. I don't want to temper expectations because I think she's going to be really exciting because it'll be so easy to matchmake her against people who aren't great. But, you know, take her time. Bring her through PFL. She's in Jackson Winkle, John, now. So, look, that gym isn't what it used to be, I suppose. But hopefully she'll do well there and hopefully she'll be get a big fight there. And I know you think she's going to try to get to the UFC and maybe maybe she will eventually. Uh, so, uh, look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the progression anyway. Um... Yoel Romero, Graham. What do you think of that? Yoel Romero and UFC came to terms. No mm. longer in the UFC. What? what? I, like I was. Yeah. All, we were in the DM chat there today, and lots of people. The first reaction, and my first reaction as well, is Jesus, this is a pity, you know. Um, but thinking about it more, I don't know. I think it. Like I think it might be a good decision for for everyone involved. What do you think? 
it, it depends where he goes if it's a good decision for Yo Romero. Mm-hmm. Um, for the UFC, I don't think Yo Romero is a you know a, a, you know a big draw. I don't think I don't think he's he's selling any you know particularly large numbers of tickets or or pay per views or anything like that or drawing big numbers on TV. So for the UFC, he's probably just like another guy, and maybe he's on a bit more money than than like you know a guy they can plug into that to that space. We're looking at the UFC cards recently. Uh, there isn't much on them, you know. Guys are, I don't know what, I haven't been keeping an eye on the payouts, but maybe guys on between 10 and 20,000. 20, and I, I'd say Eomar is on a lot more than that. So, yeah, uh, from the UFC's perspective, he is an old guy. He isn't exactly, you know, dominating or at the top of the game like he used to be. So it makes sense. I, I see it like that. Having said all that, though, I was surprised. They seem to in the, uh, recently have been keeping keeping guys around until they kind of retired. So mm-hmm. um, I was surprised, but yeah, it does make sense from the UFC's perspective if they're gonna you know keep making similar cards that they, that they have been doing recently. Yeah, I'll, my kind of perspective on it, looking from the UFC's, UFC's perspective, is like Yoel Romero. Okay, he's had his title shots now. He's probably it's probably going to be tough for him to get back to to one. And that's probably the first, you know, disagreement they had. He's very hard to beat for a uh, for a prospect as well, though. And you know, he's uh, that's exactly it. Like a he's, he's never like I, I spoke on the Q and A this week about um uh about people like you know John Dodson lost the title shot and was around for a good few years. And you know, if you beat him, half a lesson I was also one as well. If you beat him, you know, he's a good gatekeeper in that division to the very top. And gatekeeper in MMA is a very different thing, I think. Because, like, you can be ranked number eight in the world and kind of be a gatekeeper in that division. Now, if you beat him, you know you're ready for a title shot. I don't think Yoel Romero is going to satisfy that because he's such an awkward style and such a dangerous fighter that he's either going to blow you out of the water or make it a really boring fight and not kind of put you over. Plus, as you mentioned, he's getting very old. And that I know with Yoel Romero, okay, he could be 60 years old and look the same, but he, he can't last forever. And he's on a lot of money. And as you said, not a big draw not going to probably be I mean, look he could be a champion but like if he gets back to a championship fight it could be another boring fight he's been in some really exciting fights as well but i think for the ufc right now and looking at it from their point of view i think it's probably the right time for you romero for them to move on because you know i don't know name a fighter who lost the title fight recently like uh i don't know Let, let's say even robert whitaker right if he He's not, he's doing a good job of fighting back, but let's say if he didn't, and if he if he lost a couple of fights after he lost the title, you know Robert Whitaker's a grand guy to keep around. He's a fun guy. He's a funny guy. His fights are exciting, and if you were to beat him, it means something. Like say Chris Weidman, even again or something like that. With you, Alamir, draw in his own country, indeed, where yeah. they have cards, regular. Yeah. There's no no cards in Cuba and stuff. So yeah, it's look, it's it, it's unfortunate. I think I'd love to see Alamira in some big fights. You're, the thing about it is... No well, fucking Jesus! <laughs> no, no fucking Jesus! No fucking! No fucking! I think you all remember as well. He's one of the most overrated fighters in the, in the UFC. I, I think just based on the reaction today. Like, he's a very, very good fighter, but he was never able to get over that top, you know, with all the fucking... Oh, this happens. Like, do you remember when yeah. everybody hated John Fitch for 10 years straight and then he got released and everybody was up in arms? Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> like, people would tweet about, like, oh, go for a sleep now. John Fitch is on. Go yeah. to... Go fucking, I, I was on it. I'm know, not going to lie. Gonna go to the shop. Gonna, people fucking loved ragging on John Fitch and then they were like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. shit. Uh, Who's going to slag now? Who wrote John Fitch? <laughs> you should not get me too he was another one but uh, yeah look I, I Bellator people said oh I can't wait to f- see a fight Musasi that could be the most boring fight to ever happen <laughs> like don't fucking don't wish for that one I don't think it might be great but I, I, I don't, don't know yeah, I don't know I wouldn't mind seeing that oh, I don't know I, look I wouldn't mind seeing it either but like I know that it's like 60% chance of being terrible so I, do you know who I'd like to see him fight out in Japan somewhere Rampage let's do that I know a, it could be a real strategic like a fucking uh, any at any moment like obviously with Yo Romero that's kind of his whole game recently he, at any moment he could just explode but you know Gegard Gustafsson's you know historically been willing to play that game but recently he's kind of been a bit more a bit more active so I don't know that could I know what you're saying but it could end up being a really good fight yeah look I think Bellator probably will pick him up to be honest because uh, he like he can be a good name for them and a guy they know and you know the I don't, they don't want Anderson Silva like if someone actually like if someone was starting a promotion they had a lot of money now there's a few fighters out there you can pick up at the moment like Anderson Silva Rampage Jackson Yoel Romero 
you know, if you wanted to put on, let's say we put on three cards a year and just make it big cards, those guys are out there, you know, and you could pick up Brendan Lachnan as well. He's a one fight exemption and a few more of those PFL people as well. well what's that affliction owner, do, affliction owner doing these uh, days? Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I heard he's out of work on January 1st. He could, he could get back. He could get back into the old game, could he? But, uh, yeah, Patrick will kill me for that one. Anyway, right, let's preview this UFC 256 card and we'll, we'll circle around from the results to last night. So, this card is brilliant. Like, from <clears throat> from bottom to top, Chase Hooper opens up the card against Peter Barrett. Uh, we've Ji uh, Zheng Liang, who's my, my girl Crookland's favourite fighter against Dwight Grant. Car Robertson is on this card. Sergey Spivak. Gavin Tucker, Billy Quarantio. Oh, what a fight that is. Fantastic fight. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill. You know, everyone's favourite fighter, Angela Hill. Uh, in a rematch there. Andrea Lee versus Gillian Robertson. A good fight as well. McKinsey Dern, one of my favourite fighters to watch. Against Virna Jandiroba. Um, your boy Cub Swanson against Daniel Pineda. Conor McGregor's... Uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, what's that stuff that kills Superman? Oh... Oh, what's it called? Kryptonite. Kryptonite. Conor McGregor's Kryptonite cups once in there. Junior, and then the main card. What a main card this is. Junior Dos Santos versus Seal Gan. Uh, Kevin Holland. Uh, about three weeks away from fucking coronavirus uh, against uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Rafael Fizayev versus uh, Hinato Maikano. Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. And the main event for the flyweight title of the world. Only, both of them only after fighting three weeks ago. Davidson Figueiredo versus Brandon Moreno. This is a fucking brilliant card. I might not have any big standout name. Okay, apart from Tony Ferguson, maybe Junior Santos as well, and you know, Cub a bit. But what a card! What, what are you hype for in this guy? I'm hype for fucking everything after reading it out there. It's brilliant. Yeah, isn't it? Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira, uh, Cyril Gagne, JDS is another very exciting one. Uh, obviously, the main event: Figure- Figueredo and Moreno. Uh, yeah, there's some uh, fizz I have. Uh, my yeah, there's some really, really good fights. Uh, you know, the Cubs wants a Pineda fight, probably be a good cl- three round decision, but I wouldn't be too excited about that one. But it does have good name value, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, even Kevin Holland, Gager, or not Gager, uh, Ray. I was looking at the odds earlier, and uh, Kevin Holland's a bit of a favorite there. I don't know about that, like, I know. Uh, Jack Ray maybe isn't what he what he once was, but the level of competition he's been facing is uh, completely different to Kevin Holland's. And I don't know that that I don't know. I might be I might be tempted to go with Jack Ray in that one. The thing about that fight is, but, remember uh, a few years ago, if you were fighting Jack Ray, you went into like a twelve week camp with nothing but fucking jujitsu world champions, you know, to get ready for Jack Ray. This fight's on fucking a week's notice or two weeks notice. That's tough, isn't it, for Kevin Holland to go in there and game plan to fight Jack Ray with no fucking camp behind him on, on a week's notice after having coronavirus. Yeah, I know. I know, I know the level of jiu-jitsu has, has improved, but, yeah, yeah he's, like, you know, yeah, Jack Ray is definitely a crafty veteran on the ground, like, and he's no more going to feed either, so he, he can mix it up, uh, and, if he, and if he can get it down and he has enough time, you know, it could be a big trouble for Kevin Holland there. It's a, it's a very risky fight to take on short notice. Uh, obviously, like Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira, I think is the even though the main event is the the title fight, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion. It's the Charles Oliveira, Tony Ferguson fight that's kind of the biggest fight uh, in my mind on this card. Yeah, I think that's one of the ones where you like you make Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira like the biggest people on the uh, <laughs> on the the poster, and you have kind of figured out on Moreno on the card. Even though I'm a big advocate of the flyweight, but we we'll talk about the flyweight fight for a second first. Because, like, look, we saw both these guys a while back. Moreno's been around for a long time, just takes so many risks to get inside, takes a few shots, but is devastating as well. You know, big, big uh, strikes inside, big, uh, big movements on the ground, I suppose, whereas Figueredo is more of a laid back and fucking devastate you <laughs> with, you know, big uppercuts and, and you know, it'll choke you to pieces and everything like that. Actually, one of my, uh, and we have to do this podcast next week as well, but one of my 20 um, uh, d- predictions for the year was less than three submissions in UFC title fights in the year. And there's been two, I think. So, Figueredo here, if he wins this, uh, there'll be three, or, or maybe it's going over, I, I don't know, whatever it is anyway, but Figueredo can't win this by submission here, so if he does, my my thing is wrong, so it's, uh, it's a good fight, I'm really looking forward. The, look, the Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira fight, it's an interesting one, because 
Tony Ferguson puts himself in every position in a fight, right? You, 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 you'll be thinking maybe if this was a, a striking matchup, Charles has improved an awful awful lot over the last while. But I think Tony might just have enough with his pace. And, you know, we've seen what happens to Charles in the past with pace. Now he's improved since then, I think. But the thing about this is, though, Tony Ferguson, as I said, he put himself in that position. And if you put yourself in every position against Charles Oliveira, you'll eventually put yourself in a position that's going to favour Charles Oliveira more than it'll favour you. And his jiu-jitsu might take over in that position. I think this... Look, I'm, still, I'm definitely favouring Tony Ferguson here, but this is a dangerous fight for Tony Ferguson and the way he fights. Like, in a similar way maybe to McGregor. Like, if you put yourself in a position against McGregor of getting hit by his fucking left hand, you're in big trouble. Whereas Oliveira, if you put him in the position to maybe he can take your back or, or you know, get in the mount, you're in big trouble there as well. How do you see the fight? Do you, like... I know you're a, you're a fan of Tony Ferguson, but maybe not as uh, as blown away by him as, as other people. Do you, do you think he's favoured here, or do you think Charles Oliveira has a big chance? Oh, I think this I think this could go either way. Like I think uh, yeah. Oliveira's looked looked uh, a lot better uh, recently than you know uh, historically. It's it is hard to forget. It's hard to get that out of your mind when you see somebody kind of wilt kind of easily or kind of you know look for a way out some kind of like strange injury against Max Holloway and things like that and high profile kind of big moments but you know Tony Ferguson coming he took a hell of a beating in that last fight like uh, and he's taken a hell of a beating in a lot of fights even the ones he's won he's he's won and you can only you can only do that for so long and his face was looking looking deformed <laughs> by the end of that fucking Justin Gaethje fight so uh, I, think I, I might just be leaning slightly towards Oliveira here but I do have that up in the back of my head that if it does kind of, you know, get to deep waters uh, where Tony Ferguson has historically kind of thrived, uh, he might wilt. But I think I think he has a lot of ways to win this fight too. Win this fight too, and I think this is a you know fifty fifty fight. Like, but I I just just lean Oliveira. Yeah, it's it's one of those fights where, like, if I got to seven o'clock on on next Sunday morning and Davidson Figueiredo had lost, I'd be very surprised, you know. If but if I get to that time and Charles Oliveira has won against Tony Ferguson, I wouldn't be that surprised to be honest. Now I think Ferguson wins still, but it's one of the. Uh, it's I think Ferguson got away with a few uh, few fights, like on his kind of way yeah. on his long streak where he he, he kind of like you know he managed to just hold on or t- turn things his way or kind of got lucky nearly. Like you know, um, you know that slippy canvas obviously was a bit unlucky for him in the Lando Lando fight. Nothing to do with getting punched in the face, hmm. but uh, obviously, obviously, uh, he's a very good fighter. <laughs> I, ju- I just he's got just that not, there. <laughs> he's he, he's just he's just he's a very good fighter. He's just not top level, and maybe Oliveira is the same. But uh, I think uh, Oliveira is kind of on the up, and obviously Ferguson's just coming off, uh, you know. Uh, very tough guy and Justin Gaethje uh, like there's, there's no doubt about that but uh, he took a lot of damage in that fight and he, he kind of got completely dominated in that fight so maybe it's recency bias or something like that but I, I, have, a, I have a feeling uh, Oliveira is going to do it yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'll, I'll give my pick on Friday uh, for our Patreon betting show. So uh, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. We'll have the betting show out after the wins on Friday. So uh, tune in for that. Uh, but yeah, really, really good card and uh, really, really looking forward to seeing uh, how it plays out. All right, uh, that's all the next week's stuff uh, done and previewed. I hope you're looking forward to it. Severe my uh, uh, podcast on Patreon as well half seven next Saturday night for the Zoom and uh, all of that and the Q&A and the betting show as I mentioned but let me throw it over now to Sean Sheehan to give you what happened and the results of last night's card Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson Shawnee at like 6am take it away thank you very much Shawnee funnily enough it's actually 5.58am <laughs> so past Shawnee there wasn't too far away but um, overall a quick run through the card here I suppose um, it was one of those cards where we kind of came into it and we were saying there isn't that much, I suppose, that can kind of emerge from it. We might have some, you know, might be a good card, it might be some good fights. Um, but there actually was a few noteworthy things. I suppose the first noteworthy thing was that three of the fights fell out and two of them were due to COVID, one of them was due to uh, an undisclosed illness, I suppose you call it. So uh, the cancelled bouts were Montella. De La Rosa versus Talia Santos, uh, Movsar Ivalev versus Nate Landwire, and Jimmy Flick versus Cody Durden. 
Um, De La Rosa Santos and Ivalev Landwehr were slated for the main card were cancelled due to positive COVID-19 tests and the UFC said that Flick Durden fight was off because of non-COVID tests and that's from ESPN so look we spoke about it last week and <laughs> this bubble that they have that they're talking about is a joke to be honest and with this happening the day before the card the day of the card like imagine if this happened at the start and I think it did happen once at the start where one person failed. And I remember I was up in arms like that event has to be cancelled. I think I think if this was any other event, let's say Man United are playing, you know, they're playing, who they're playing yesterday? Uh, West Ham. And Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba fail it when they're at the ground, when they're there already in the bubble with all their teammates. Would that match go on if they failed it on day? Okay, if they failed it a week before and everyone else could get tested and everything like that. No, but... Would that? Would you think that would go on? I don't think it would, to be honest, because then that bubble is broken. You know, if people are in the bubble and they failed that late, that's it, you know? So, <laughs> the UFC... Look, the UFC are doing this just so they can run fights. They don't actually care. And, you know, they, they, don't, they don't mind if it gets spread around. So, look, I have to make that point. We made it last week and we said if something like this happens, we'd make it again. And if I was to <laughs> just ignore it, it'd be, uh, it'd be very wrong of me. So, look... Hopefully we'll get the vaccine early in the new year and this won't be a problem anymore. We won't have to talk about it. But I know that, like, we're kind of sick of fucking COVID. Everyone's fucking sick of it. But, like, it's still there and it's still real and it's still we need to still stop the fucking thing from spreading. And this is definitely not helpful. Uh, and, you know, the UFC, they have been poor. They have been very poor. So uh, I think this is this is poor again, to be honest. But... However, I suppose it's a, it's a chat for uh, it's a chat that'll keep going on and on because I feel like this will keep happening because it's happened so much now that it can't not keep happening. So keep an eye on that one anyway. So the fights themselves, um, well, no, do you know what? I, I pretty much enjoyed them. Uh, a low, less of a card because of the, the fights that were uh, cancelled. So we started off with Jay Collier versus John Volante. <laughs> Both of them. John Volante used to be light heavyweight. Jay Collier used to be a middleweight. And the two boys were as fucking fat as me going in there. Jay Collier uh, was, what, half a pound <laughs> under the 265 thing. Um, Collier won one and three. Uh, he was tired in two, but John Valente kicked him in the dick a couple of times in the third round, and it gave him time to recover, and I think he won it because of that. Uh, but Collier was landing some big left hooks. Two two good chins on the two of them, like, and, and they came through it. Uh, not a terrible fight, you know, but I do think the, those two dick kicks helped it to not be like a complete heavyweight breeding match, so not bad at all. Next fight then, maybe the most impressive guy on the card in terms of up-and-comers, uh, Ilya Taporia knocked out Damon Jackson. Uh, absolute monster striker liver punch just absolutely killed jackson uh right hand over top slept him and he left hand uppercut when he was already out on the ground looked really really good so that's definitely a name to keep an eye on uh Ilya tapuria uh next in lewis smolka this was one of those fights where quinona just dominated at the, at the start uh, he was getting tied with was uh was lewis smolka and uh he wasn't i don't think he was willing enough to maybe um, push the pace or do you know what it wasn't actually that because he said it afterwards that Canona's fought out of a different stance than he was expecting and it took him time maybe took to, to go to the corner and I think Colin Oyama who's a great coach was in his corner and he told him the few adjustments to make and the adjustment really was to set the pace you know was to go forward and push uh, Quinona's back and that worked for him because he landed some lovely shots on the feet fight got to the ground um landed a, a, a lovely few more shots there was able to get able to get the tko so uh lewis mocha just a really really good fighter um when he's on the ground on top of you like that it's very very hard to get him off and a very very good win there for him as well so um then on the main card we had jordan levitt knocking out matt wyman who i gave as my bet somewhere uh 10 to 1 22 seconds it says 23 seconds here but it said 22 seconds on uh online so uh, basically, Matt Wyman kind of got up on him. Your man Levitt calls himself like the monkey strangler or some shit, but it was like Wyman was like the monkey had him climbing up on him. Um, Levitt put his forearm in Wyman's face and then slammed him to the ground, forearm to the head into the ground, and Wyman went out. It was it was a nasty KO. You know, it looked like one of those ones where. <laughs> you know it was risky is he going to get up kind of one but he did get up thankfully and he looked okay hopefully he's gone to the hospital and everything like that but um a great win there for levitt matt wyman i don't think he's ufc caliber anymore I, you know i don't think he's 
MMA caliber anymore even to be honest I don't think he should be probably fighting at this stage uh, of of, uh, of where he is in his career uh, but however good win for Jordan Levitt then we had I suppose the controversial fight at night uh, Roman Delizia versus John Allen in a split decision now I gave this three rounds to zero to Delizia I was very close to giving the third to John Allen and I saw Bloody Elbow gave the first round to John Allen so I gave one round to him, Bloody Elbow gave another round to him, and everyone was going mad because it was a split decision, you know, it was one of those fights where you get, you know, there's a 30-27 one way, and then you give it 29-28 the other way, and you look him up, and it's Chris Lee as well, you know, he's been on the wrong side of a few bad decisions recently, I don't think this was necessarily a terrible one, to be honest, I, I look, I think it, it was one of those ones where the second, everyone got it the same, and it was, uh, uh, around for Delizia, but one and three, very close. I almost gave a twenty nine twenty eight. I just went. I thought Delizia just did enough when he got on top, uh, but Delizia landed big strikes and big leg kicks in round one. Um, but there was a lot of fighting on the ground, going for heel hooks and stuff, and they weren't near. And Alan was landing some strikes and things like that. I thought Delizia just did enough. I thought a couple of those heel hooks were were pretty effective, and he was landing some good shots. And those leg kicks as well were good. So I I did give him that round, but it was v- relatively close. Uh, the second round he just kind of got on top and won it there and in the third round it was close again I thought Alan was winning it on the feet but then or, or close anyway to win it on the feet and Delizia got on top for the last minute and did land some strikes didn't land loads of strikes but I think it might have just been enough so you know I think Delizia 30-27 if you gave it 29-28 Delizia I think that's a very good card 29-28 Alan I don't think it's a great card but I don't think it's a terrible card either. I think it's a defensible card. Uh, and look, that's what that's what the judges always talk about in MMA. If you can defend it, it's uh, you know that's you're halfway there. So um, the next fight in Gabriel Benitez landed a beautiful knee to the body, knee to the uh, knee to the liver of uh, of Justin James. Only went to four and a, four and a bit minutes, and you know it was one of those ones where he set a high pace and there was lots of strikes landed, uh, but just. The whole through the whole fight, Mowgli just looked a little bit better than him, you know. Landed the the better strikes and got the the finish in the end. And in the top two, um, two really really good fights, and especially I think Jamal Hill, the the effort he put in, uh, really really good. The first round was relatively close. Um, I thought that Hill was landing the better shots, landing the more shots. There wasn't that many big immediately impactful shots, and I kind of went to like you know, he landed more shots than him, so, you know, when there wasn't something big knockdown, or like, someone being hurt, you go to who did the most damage with the shots that they landed, and I thought Hill did that just because he kind of accumulated more shots, and I know the accumulation is not the way to score it, but that's the way to score it when you're, uh, when there isn't that big one that makes the difference, so, uh, I thought Hill won it that way. In the second round, Hill just upped the pace, and he was landing some huge shots, and he landed a big knee up the middle. Was it, like I think the one thing about Hill was, you know, OSP. You've talked about him so many times. He's very one handed. I think he actually threw three right hands in in this uh, what nine minutes almost of the fight, which was probably the most he's ever done. Um, but Jamal Hill just lovely jab, lovely kicks to the body, lovely kicks up top, beautiful combinations. And we we're a combination striker. And when you're almost as big as Sempru, when you're fast and when you're powerful very very hard for St. Prue to cope with that when you're not afraid and when you're smart I thought he was smart because he was he was landing shots that you can throw against someone who is one handed basically that you can't throw against more um, other people and he was kind of opening up I don't think Jamal Hill will be as this open against other fighters when he climbs the ranks but it was a smart and a good display from him and he definitely puts himself in now as a contender there so really really good the one thing I, I would say about this is hopefully they don't give Hill too much of a rise too quickly because beating OSP is great but like if you're a very good up-and-coming fighter you're going to beat OSP but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll beat the person ranked you know seven eight nine uh, or, or seven six five four in that division so I would still give him a bit of a slower rise up and uh don't put him in against someone like really good immediately. Give him, you know, give him someone, you know, Serkinov maybe or someone like that or someone even further a little bit down. But good, um, good, good display by uh, by Jamal Hill. 
And then the main event, uh, very interesting fight, really, really good fight. I think it broke the record for the significant strikes in the middleweight division, if I'm not mistaken. It was one of those lots of strikes landed. So in the first round, I thought Jack Hermanson was winning it off the back foot. Um, Vittori was kind of pushing him backwards with some shots, but I I thought Hermanson did a great job of covering up, but every time he threw, Vittori was landing on him. And... (laughs) <laughs> the thing about it is when he well not every time he threw he was landing on him but I thought when when Verma, um, Hermanson gave Vittori chances like wide open chances he took him but when he was kind of at a lint and when he wasn't getting pushed up against the cage I think he was landing some good shots and he was winning off his back foot but it was when Vittori kind of took a step to the right waited for Hermanson to drop those hands or kind of drew him out with a jab he was landing in and that's exactly what got the knockdown and that changed that first round I think it changed the fight because Vittori was fighting I thought he was fighting a very unintelligent fight at the start because you're you're pushing Hermanson to exactly where you want him but he's winning the fight from that area now it was relatively close I'm not saying he was destroying him or anything like that um but I think after the knockdown it was uh, it was a big knockdown, and Vittori almost finished him, uh, but a good job from Jack Hermanson to uh, to survive. Hermanson tried to get a takedown early in the second, but Marvin landed on top. They got back up. There was a bit of a back and forth. Uh, not much landed, a relatively close round, but I think Vittori just did enough on the feet. Didn't do really much on the ground, to be honest, but he did enough on the feet, I thought. The third round, um, I thought... Vittori wasn't that confident in his cardio and it was going into this third round when they were on the feet Vittori in in the second round bits for bits and pieces he was pushing forward and throwing those shots and taking that step to stop the kind of the circle and the defense to kind of hit through the defense and go to come to the body and open up the top and when he was doing that he was beating him up uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in the fourth round especially but I thought he he kind of wasn't confident enough in his cardio and Jack was winning the strike and he was aggressive Marvin was waiting too much uh, but landed again around the midpoint Jack hurt him in the last minute though and uh, and I thought he won that round so it was 2-1 to one going into the fourth but in the fourth I thought it was the most dominant round for Vittori I gave it him a 10-8 I think it was borderline 10-9, 10-8 but Hermanson landed almost nothing in that round I thought Vittori just absolutely boxed him up he was going forward he was landing those shots he was throwing combinations and it was a really really good round for him um, and in the 15 it was a closer round again I thought uh, Marvin Vittori just about did it uh, to be honest but it was one of those back and forths Hermanson came out and he was brave you know he took shots to land some and it was one of those where they were <laughs> they were both drawn shots, but I thought Vittori was a little bit fresher. And, you know, he seemed to have more confidence in his cardio on the fourth and fifth. Uh, I think Rafael Cardero and his uh, his corner kind of g'd him up a bit after that third round and said, "Come on, we need to throw those." And he did it, uh, and he didn't falter doing it in the fourth and fifth. So maybe that's a, a good way uh, for the future that he will uh, he'll maybe have that in his back pocket, you know, from from now on. So uh, very good fight, I think. Vittori emerged as a contender. Uh, or at someone going towards the very top, Jamal Hill as well emerges as a contender, but a little bit uh, take a little bit of time with him, uh, and Ilya Tupuri as well down on the card. I think he's another guy, and you know I'd keep an eye on Roman Delidze as well at light heavyweight. I think he needs to uh, <laughs> smarten up in his game a little bit, you know, not be diving on things and talking to your corner and laughing and smiling the whole time. But he's a very good athlete and well rounded as well, so he's another one to keep an eye on. But um, yeah, so that's it from me uh thank you very much for listening go to manscaped use the promo code severe may get 20 percent off and free shipping and go to joeandsefs.co.uk s-e-p-h-s and get 10 percent off at the promo code sean 10 or go to severemay.com forward slash popcorn you'll get it there um good you know good local family business lovely stuff uh so get out go over there for some gourmet popcorn if you order today, it'll probably be here by next week. So you'll have it for the for the UFC uh, 256 card. So order it now. If you're listening on Sunday or listening on Monday, and you might have it by then. So uh, uh, thank you for everybody for listening. I, I'll fluff that up. I don't actually don't have my inspirational quote of the week and I left my phone fucking downstairs. So um, <laughs> all that's left for me to do is say goodbye. Thank you very much. Patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast next Saturday night. Live Zoom for everyone on Patreon. Q&A out actually maybe Monday this week so send in your questions if you're listening to this on Sunday and uh, I'll see you all next time everybody thank you very much for listening goodbye